following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Wednesday, January 9th. I am Josh Dunn, and I've got Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer here. Dan, how was Dallas? Dallas was amazing uh, for any of our baseball coaches out there. If you ever had the chance to go to the ABCA convention, I highly recommend it. Uh, just an amazing experience and not a lot of sleep and plenty of baseball. Uh, so pretty pretty memorable. Check it out. Love it. We'll get to some baseball later. Anshu, how you feeling? Pretty good. Uh, not as eventful as Dan's last weekend, but uh, pretty good. Got a nice little surprise engagement party in for my old buddy josh so that was a good time i was extremely surprised and i appreciate you being there my friend but uh let's get to this college football playoff championship the national championship that is clemson upends alabama with a 44 to 16 victory you know i think i think we're all surprised by the way that this outcome looked but what was it about what clemson was able to do in this game on you that allowed them to to pull away early on uh, well, I thought that first turnover was such a big swing in momentum just in terms of like it seemed so out of character for Tua to throw a pass like that. And I know that they were kind of zoned up on that pick six by Clemson. But I feel like that's a kind of play where an underdog arrives, you know, like when they I know that Clemson's beaten them and they didn't really seem to be like afraid of the moment or, or feel like outmanned or anything. But that right away you know it, it dictated the rest of the game like and I mean it trickled down to their true freshman quarterback too I think so when that play happened I felt like you know it I don't know maybe maybe it was just a fluky thing but it it helped you know sort of light a fire under the entire team and I thought they out Alabama they looked faster they looked like Alabama I mean they looked like a, a, a team that blew the other one off the field like they didn't deserve to be on the same one yeah, and Dan, obviously Trevor Lawrence, you know, the freshman quarterback, has a huge game here, throws for 347 yards and three touchdowns, and really outplays the Heisman runner-up in Tua Tagovailoa, who we all expected to go out and have a big game. And to Anshu's point, throws the two big interceptions in this one. Uh, but for Clemson, you know, Trevor Lawrence came out after the game and said he wants to have four trophies uh, in his trophy case by the end of his Clemson career. I don't know if anybody believes that he'll be there all four years, but... What, what does it say for this guy who who is a, a true freshman, comes into the season not even as a starter, and ends up beating the almighty Alabama 44-16? to 16? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of two around two, uh, and uh, he got the best of them this time. Very impressive. Some of those throws that he made uh, were big-time throws. I mean, honestly, if, if he's a junior, there's an argument that 
he's the number one quarterback taken this year, especially in this weak class. So you have to imagine, I know he said he wants to stay for four years, but you know, if he's a junior and it's a class like it is this year where there's just not really a true far and away number one, it'd be really, really hard. And, you know, with, with how good Alabama is to, people for Clemson to rip off four straight. I just don't think that that's ever realistic. So I think you'll see him for a very good three years and then he'll be out. Anju, does this do anything to hurt Tua's legacy going forward at Alabama or his draft stock? Uh, that's, I think, more the latter than the former. I'll do Dan one better. I think Trevor Lawrence would be the number one pick tomorrow. Like, no questions asked. This dude is every bit the quarterback prospect you'd want. I, and I think that, to your point, I mean – he clearly Lawrence, you know, to me made Tua look like a lesser, a totally lesser player I, in comparison. I, I mean, I know they're they're totally different down to their throwing motion and their size and everything, um, their style. But Tua Tua looked good and and showed the same flashes that he always does. But those two mistakes, and especially the second one, I thought the first one you could kind of just fluke away or right off as like a fluke. But the, the second one was a lot worse. I mean, he ends up with just a 21.5 QBR. Like they, you know, it was ugly. Uh, they, they had no answer and, and they had some pretty creative stuff drawn up. I thought offensively, and they still just could not crack this defense led by that defensive line for, uh, for Clemson. So I, you know, not, not great. Um, I still think he's probably the favorite to go number one next year, but say he stays to Dan's point and he, and they end up going in the same class, Lawrence and Tua, I think Lawrence is clearly going to be the one who goes higher just because he looks the part and like he's already got NFL chops as far as his mechanics and his ability to drive the ball down the field. Yeah, not it's not just the quarterbacks in this game that are going to be playing on Sundays. I mean, there was NFL talent in almost every position in this game. It's just crazy when you think about the oh. amount of guys who are going to be playing on Sunday that played in this national championship game. Last question to Dan. Uh, so with Nick Saban, obviously, you know he's he's been such a dominant coach in, in, at this level. You know, going forward, do you think this this is going to do anything for Alabama moving forward? Uh, or do you think they'll continue to be a powerhouse every year and in, 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 year in and year out? Uh, I mean, they're they're going to continue to be a powerhouse. What you might see is a little bit more of the getting guys recruited out of Alabama into Clemson. Uh, they talked about it a little bit last night. Of um, was it Trevor Lawrence who was from Alabama? Or no, the, yeah. def- the defense or was a defensive lineman. One of those guys um, was originally from Alabama and was the first kind of major. Uh, prospect uh, that Nick Saban didn't get. So what you might see is a little bit of weakening of Alabama uh, as as guys are going to be able to go in there and recruit and say, you know, Nick Saban is as much of a god as you think. I can beat Nick Saban. I've done it multiple times. Uh, so you can get Dabo going in there and having the ability to out-recruit Alabama and out-recruit Auburn uh, and come play up for him at Clemson. So you may see that over the long term of a little bit of a downgrade. I don't think you're going to see much of an impact over the next year or two, uh, but that that's also assumes that Nick Saban stays, and I just I can't imagine he he doesn't have still have that itch to to go back and coach the NFL. Uh, and I know we'll talk about coaching vacancies here in a little bit, but if you're Nick Saban, what else is there to prove? Uh, and, and you know there's that itch. You know the competitor in him wants to go back and prove he, he is a better NFL coach than that his record is currently. So uh, I, I think maybe over a couple of years he says, eh, you know, it's, I'm not getting the same recruits. I'm not going to go out the way I went in the NFL and he bolts. 
Yeah, but you think about the legacy that he's built there. I just don't see him trying to go back to the NFL after he already tried that at one point. I mean, you may be right, but I just don't see it at this point in his career. What he's he's what is he's over sixty now? I think at this point. I mean, he's mm. he's probably at a, at a point where he's he's writing his ticket. He's he's essentially getting paid whatever he wants to to stay at Alabama, and I think he wants to continue on with the, the legacy that he's built there. Uh, would you agree, Anshu, that there's very little, if any, drop off for the, the Crimson Tide? Yeah, I mean, I I posed that question to Chris earlier. I, I think that it, this is a changing of the guard type of game. Like, not I know that Clemson won before against Bama heads up, but this feels like it feels a lot different because I just think that Bama's never had to deal with Trevor Lawrence, that type of player. I mean, he's we've got two more years of this. That's insane to me that he's going to get so much better and he gets to throw to Justin Ross and have Travis Etienne behind him. And, you know, they're just going to get better. They've got nothing but five-star recruits all around um, in, at Clemson. I mean, I, I kind of feel like, you know, maybe Clemson's going to be the next Alabama. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I, – I mean, I think it's a good point. I think had Saban won this game, there would have been more of a case to be made for him to leave. But the fact that he lost, he'll want to come back and win, and he, he won't leave on this note. Um, but, yeah, like maybe the next time around he's gone. I, I just – I could see – Clemson getting off on a huge run of titles now. As much as I hate to say I agree with you because it's Clemson, I I, I do yeah. agree with you. Just the amount of talent they've been able to bring in year over year Sir. is crazy. And, uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of young talent, and then they've got a lot of talent that will leave for the NFL, and they're still going to leave behind a ton of talent that will go the, the subsequent year. They're starting to turn into the ACC's Alabama for sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't disagree with you there. All right, we, we, we kind of hinted at it. We've had a lot of uh, – a lot of movement with the NFL coaching carousel. We touched on what we thought might happen with our teams in a previous show. And, you know, Anshu, your, your Packers were the first ones to go out there and get their guy and Matt LaFleur. First of all, what do you think of the hire? And second of all, are you surprised at all that this is the direction that they went for their head coaching position? Uh, I'll answer the second question first. I was stunned uh, when I saw that it was Matt LaFleur. I, I – ranked who I thought it would be. He was number four for me and, and who, or I'm sorry, number three in likelihood. I thought it was going to be McDaniels. Adam Gase was the second likeliest. I thought, I mean, there was a lot of buzz around that and that made sense. I had LaFleur three and then Carmichael four. So I, I mean, I guess it makes some sense. Um, as far as my preference of the, and these are the, of the guys they actually interviewed, by the way, that doesn't include like Pat Fitzgerald who didn't interview. Um, he was my second favorite beyond McDaniels of the guys they interviewed. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I mean, there are definite issues. Like, there are major red flags with Matt LaFleur, and there's no question. I mean, t- the Tennessee offense was not good last year, even though they had my boy Mariota. Like, even when he was healthy, they weren't good. I know your brother's a huge fan, Josh, so you've probably watched a little more than I have. I'm guessing he's not going to lose any sleep over losing Matt LaFleur. But um, <laughs> I think that, you know, he's I, – I just – I think that he's cut from the right cloth, and I, I trust that the Packers – uh, Brian Gutekunst and um, you know Mike, Mark Murphy both saw something in him because the fact is they were planning on making a second round of interviews. Like I mean, they had done the first round and then they were going to bring people in for the second, presumably Josh McDaniels, like after whenever New England was uh, done. And you know, obviously they just we wake up Monday. I'm driving home and the Packers have uh, hired Lafleur, so and they're the first ones. It seems like the dam is broken open as we'll get to, but. Uh, yeah, pretty surprising, but I'm excited. I think it's going to be a fun mix. 
Isn't it kind of crazy that Sean McVay has already built a coaching tree and he's, what, 33 <laughs> years old? You have multiple assistants that have, that have coached under him uh, that are being interviewed and seriously considered for head coaching jobs. And the first one to be hired is Matt LaFleur, who was his assistant just a couple years ago. So it's, it, it's, it's interesting to me that that's, that's how this is happening. So the other two that were hired, Bruce Arians to Tampa Bay, uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. I know that uh, he was rumored as, as wanting that Browns job. He goes to Tampa Bay. They also signed Bowles as their defensive coordinator, who was just fired uh, by the New York Jets. And then the Cardinals going out and taking a risk with Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Dan, I, I, we'll get to your Browns, but I got to hear what your thoughts are on Cliff Kingsbury. Obviously, he's a young guy. You know, he coached at Texas Tech. He played quarterback in the NFL for a couple years, played at Texas Tech. Um, good, got a great offensive mind, but do you think he's ready to coach at the NFL level after being what some would call mediocre at the college level? Well, I've been against, and we've talked about it on this show, just against the kind of retread. Uh, I mean, we just talked about it the Tampa, Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, guys who uh, maybe not as much so Arians, but Todd Bowles have uh, you know, underachieved or didn't perform and, and just goes and gets another job. Uh, so I'm all for getting a young guy in and, and letting him step up. I mean, if this is any other job, if you're – uh, if you're an accountant, if you're a CEO, if you're a financial advisor, right? Guys get a, a big test. They get a big jump all the time. Why is it all of a sudden different um, in the NFL that you can't have a, a young guy kind of prove himself and, and maybe take on a role that's a little bit larger than than what his resume says and grow into it? So, uh, I mean, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, it's not like he's coached at Division Two nowhere. And, I, I mean, the guy's got some coaching chops. Um, he's He's been very well liked. Uh, and, and you got a young team there, you know, a young quarterback in Arizona, and I think that uh, you know, more and more so in today's day and age, I think you need to to be able to connect with your players and be able to to really to really understand uh, as much as everyone jokes about all the Fortnite stuff and everything, right? You got to be able to speak that language, uh, and I think you're going to see more and more of that. I mean, we've seen these young coaches. Uh, you mentioned Sean McVay have success at the NFL level, so. I think this is the first of many over the next couple of years of giving guys who may not have quite the resume or used to uh, given a head coaching job. Yeah, another move that was uh, recently that just happened today actually was the Atlanta Falcons who let their both of their coordinators go. They hired Dirk Cutter, who was just uh, was just fired by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the Bucks, you know, two big hires with Arians getting back into the head coaching, and then Todd Bowles. But uh, aren't you? Obviously, there's still a few jobs left to be hired, and the one that really interests me is your former head coach, Mike McCarthy. There was a lot of talk uh, leading up to the offseason or leading up to, I guess, the playoffs about whether or not McCarthy would be in, end up in Cleveland with the Browns. It sounds like his only uh, goal right now is the Jets, and that's the only job he's going to hear offers out for. The other move, you mentioned Josh McDaniels. He is now staying in New England, is no longer taking any interviews for head coaching jobs, so he clearly didn't get the job he wanted. Um, but what do you think of Mike McCarthy focusing in on the Jets at this point? Uh, I think that he's saying that because the Browns haven't interviewed him, and I, I don't think the Browns want him now, it looks like, which is a little bit of a surprise to me, but it seems like, and I'm sure we'll get to it, uh, they've got other guys on their mind. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that McCarthy would do really well with Sam Darnold. I, I mean, I might even say that Darnold's more his type than Baker Mayfield, just as far as, like, uh, you know, a guy that will listen and follow McCarthy's quarterback school. Not that Mayfield wouldn't, but I feel like, you know, Mayfield's more freewheeling, and McCarthy famously had some issues with Favre uh, at the end of Favre's career there with him. So, uh, you know, I, I still think he would be great at either place or uh, like a very good fit at either place. But I think that Darnold even makes sense. 
for him. So I, 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 but that being said, I sounds like the jets are casting a really wide net. Like they've got Matt rule from, uh, from Baylor that they're interested in uh, a couple other guys, obviously McCarthy's still kind of hanging around. I, Todd Munkin's a guy that they like apparently too. He was allegedly one of the final two for the Packers as well, which is surprising. But um, I, you know, it, I, I feel like McCarthy's going to end up sitting this next year out, which seems just crazy to me after all the buzz he was getting leading into this whole end of season run and the coaching carousel. But I, I think that ultimately when the musical chairs game stops, he's going to be left standing by himself. Fair. Uh, Dan, let's get to your Browns. Uh, wanted to hear your thoughts on this. I know we didn't get you on the last show that we recorded, but uh, it sounds like Freddie Kitchens has a real shot to get this job opening. I know he's a guy that you wouldn't mind as their head coach, but who do you think it comes down to at this point? Well, at least the rumors here in Cleveland are it's down to him and Stefanski uh, as the two top candidates. I, I I just can't imagine it's not Freddie Kitchens with Agreed. with. With how with how much he's done with Baker Mayfield, you know Baker's having a say in this. I mean, I mean somewhere somebody had asked Baker, uh, "Hey, who do you want?" And just the the success they had, the you know the Browns have just been ridiculed for years about the lack of continuity in the system. Uh, keeping Freddie there, I, I just I, I can't imagine it's not him. I, I think he he's been a, a hot list of kind of un, under the radar. Uh, future head coaches for a while um and i think he just proved his chops and you know the brown by the browns denying anybody else from interviewing him i think that was them saying you know he's our guy uh, i think it'll be great for him i you know i hope greg williams stays around as defensive coordinator that'll be th- the interesting part to watch in all this yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting but i think freddie kitchens makes a lot of sense at this point for them uh there's three other coaching vacancies that are still out there too we've got the bengals and the broncos uh, and then also the Dolphins still have not filled their vacancy. It sounds like uh, the Broncos are down to Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, and Mike Munchak. Um, Anshu, do you think either of these guys are the right hire for Denver? Uh, well, they definitely want to go in the direction of an old coach. <laughs> uh, I I don't really get that. Um, you know, it's not like they've had like a young offensive minded guy. I mean, if you think back to even when they were winning the Super Bowl, you you went from an old offensive coordinator and retread in uh, Gary Kubiak, who they want to keep around now, allegedly. Then, you know, then they went to John Fox. Then I think it was Vance. It might have gone right to Vance Joseph. Right. And then, you know, here we are. So they haven't really taken a shot on a young offensive guy. And you would have thought with John Elway that that would kind of be the road they'd go to. I guess they had Josh McDaniels in there. That That is a young offensive guy. He must have scarred them so badly that they had no interest at all in bringing someone like that back. So, uh, yeah, you know, like I guess if between those two, I would probably lean Fangio just because we know what his defense is going to look like. We know his defenses are going to be awesome no matter what. Um, but I would be afraid of both, honestly. I just – I don't – I'm totally with what Dan said earlier. I'd much rather take the shot – on the way that the league is going than to try to zag with an older guy. Like it's not even with like a younger, uh, more creative mind. I mean, the reality is both those guys have five-year windows max and then they're gone. So tough for me to get behind either of them, but I would lean Fangio. Fair. Brian Flores is getting a lot of smoke in Miami. It sounds like uh, the Patriots defensive coordinator could legitimately have a shot at this job. They still are set to interview, I believe, uh, Eric Bieniemy. 
um, if that interview didn't already happen. So he's uh, he's rumored as a few of these jobs, and the Bengals are one of them too. It, unfortunately, when you look at uh, who the Bengals seem to be leaning toward, it's Vance Joseph or Hugh Jackson, and I just want either of you guys. Dan, you, you can tell me as somebody who had him as your head coach for your, the team that you root for in Cleveland. Tell me this Bengals team isn't that stupid. <laughs> Honestly, Josh, I, I feel so bad for you and our <laughs> and our uh, occasional co-host and Steve Gardner. If this happens, you you just can't be Bengals fans anymore. I mean, there's like there's just no rhyme or reason for this level of stupidity. If you hand the reins back over to a guy who you saw like with the exact same talent leaves the organization, one win uh, or not one win the past two years, three wins overall, and then. Somebody else comes in and rips off, you know, three wins in five weeks. I mean, there is just no excuse for for that level of incompetence being a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I hope I hope we're not that stupid. It's very interesting. I I saw a tweet today that had the odds for who they're going to hire, and Darren Simmons ha- actually had the best odds. He's been their special teams coach mm-hmm. for several years now. And their special teams usually are very good, but they were not this year. They had Todd Munkin as the number two on that list. And that's actually the guy oh, I, I kind that. of hope they would they would take a shot at. Todd Munkin has done a lot, you know, with Tampa Bay's offense. He's obviously an offensive mind, and I think that's what the Bengals need to revitalize the offense that they've been missing for the last couple of years. It seems like any time one of the stars goes down, they just they can't they can't operate offensively. Uh, and then I think it makes a lot of sense if they could somehow figure out a scenario where they can hire Todd Munkin as your uh, head coach, Hugh Jackson as your offensive coordinator, and Vance Joseph as your defensive coordinator. I think you have something there, aren't you? What do you think? Uh, I mean, I love Todd Munkin. I would not force him into keeping anybody that Mike Brown interviewed. I mean, honestly, like yeah, I, I think that I, I think that. Vance Joseph is a fine coach. I think he'd be a very good defensive coordinator. But if Todd Munkin's got other ideas, let him do it. And that's kind of one of my issues, maybe not issues with LaFleur, but he's going to keep Mike Patton, which is Patton had a good, I think, is a good found work or uh, foundation laid. But I, I'm, I hope that they didn't just choose LaFleur because he wanted to be with Patton. And I would say the same thing about what, whoever the Bengals pick. Like, you know, if, just because he's locked into some familiar faces, shouldn't give him a leg up on other candidates. You know, and and I'm I I'm afraid that that might be the case for them um, because they do stuff kind of in Packersy ways at times, just in terms of like an overwhelming loyalty towards uh, like previous regimes for some absurd reason. So hopefully that's not what happens. But I mean, if it is, and that's what Munkin wants, that's great. Like I I just. I think Todd Monkey would be a home run hire for you guys, honestly. I think he'd be really good. I do too. That's why it's probably not gonna happen. I just hope that in that room and, and it's it's been reported it's been reported that in that room where these interviews are taking place, it's not just Mike Brown. Mike Brown's involved, his daughter Katie Blackburn, who's done a lot to, to, to run this team over the last few years, uh, her husband Todd and then you know, even you know Duke Duke Tobin, who's been their director of player personnel for several years. They, I hope the, the, their opinions, those younger opinions in that room, have a lot more to say about who they end up hiring as this coach. And it's not just a dictatorship where, you know, Mike Brown says I want to go with the guy that I know. Because if they do that, they're going to get Vance Joseph or Hugh Jackson, and you know, as Bengals fans, what you're getting out of that. So. I hope it's not the case. We'll see what happens. We'll talk some football on Friday's show when we preview uh, the NFL playoff games this weekend. And I know we didn't touch on it because we didn't record a show for Monday, but I, that Bears finish 
absolutely brutal if you're if hate you're, to see it. Yeah, I hate to see it if you're a Packers fan. Real I'm sure, but disappointing. Just, just a wild, wild finish. But to, for Dan, I, I promised we'd talk some baseball, and Anshu, I think you're going to like this as well. Uh, the Manny oh. Machado sweepstakes could be coming to a close here. There's a lot of smoke around Machado to Chicago after they signed John Jay to a one-year deal. Apparently, they're very, very close friends. First of all, Dan, as somebody who's an Indians fan, does it scare you at all to see the Sox moving in on one of the one of the hot commodities here on the free agency market? Uh, in a word, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, this Indian team, I still think they'll win the division, but it, well, the White Sox with Machado um, is is a scary thing. I, I think the Kopik injury is big. I think if Kopik is healthy and Machado's there, I'm legitimately worried about whether the Indians uh, can win the division. But with him out, um, I, I don't necessarily think that the White Sox have enough. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a talented, it's going to be a talented team. Uh, I think they're going to win. If they add Machado, I think they're probably the, the second place team in that division. I think they finish maybe um, five, six games behind Cleveland. I think they make it really, really close. Uh, and I, you know, but baseball is a weird season. If, uh, you know, if a couple things go the right way, injuries uh, and what have you, if they add Machado um, and can maybe add a, another pitcher, this team is is very real, very fast. All right, Anshu, how real is it? Is this smoke? Is this realistic? I mean, what is what are you hearing here from this local Chicago media that you're very much a part of? <laughs> I there's a lot of smoke. That's uh, all I can really say right now from what I've heard, from what I'm reading from the boards, and you know, a couple people that seem to actually know people. Uh, it's it definitely seems like it's building. It's a borderline eyeball emoji here right now. It's it's uh, it's right there. Uh, I mean, I think that they've clearly put themselves in a position to focus and lock in on Machado over Harper right at this second. And I mean, I doubt that even if this were to happen, that it would totally take them out of the Harper thing. But it seems like the other teams are sort of leaning that way. It seems like the Yankees are slowly falling away, um, like that they won't go to where the White Sox will, and allegedly what the White Sox are looking to offer isn't even like record-breaking stuff as far as the length of the deal, which is surprising. It sounds like it's around the offer allegedly would be around seven for two fifty, which is obviously just an insane amount of money. It would break the record for money per year, but it wouldn't break the total numbers. Uh, So that's what you have to look forward to, not to bog it down, but I think potentially by the next show we might have, Machado, a destination for Machado. This this off season has just been so freaking long. Yeah, it seems like it. But uh, don't tease me. I mean, I'm I'm starting to get excited the more I read yeah. about how close they they become, and it seems like every week that the tension is just building on whether or not this is going to happen. Uh, also worth mentioning, they added Kelvin Herrera, a solid reliever in the off season really just, like just recently too, on a two year, eighteen million dollar deal. Uh, so they're they're making a lot of moves this off season to position themselves to be competitive, which. You've got to love when you have the farm system and the talent that's going to be coming up, hopefully this year, that they do. So, you know, as we'll long see. as they actually sign Machado and don't just have like John Jay and Yonder Alonso wandering <laughs> their infield for no reason. Yeah, that's that's a good point. They have uh, the potential. Has the potential to be really embarrassing for them, for the yeah, record. Yeah, it could, it could be, but let's let's hope it's not. Let, let's let's just not. let's let's continue <laughs> staying positive on this and. Uh, 
Last but not least, let's get to what's most important. The Nashville Predators are taking on the Chicago Black. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm, I'm sorry, Dan. Uh, but let's get to oh, by the ways. Uh, Anji, why don't you start us off? Oh, man. All right. Uh, well, I can talk about the fact that DeMarcus Cousins is returning here in a few weeks to the Warriors. Unfortunately for you, as you are, I know, not a huge fan of them, but they they have, you know, slowly kind of just tanked through the season and not really been the dominant force that we expected. DeMarcus Cousins coming back and you just got to think that once he gets going, what what might happen after that is uh, is a scary thought. But it, you know, it could go the total other direction. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, the big news in the NBA. I think this week. Yep, that definitely is big, especially if he comes back anywhere near full strength for them because they could use the help. Uh, what yep. do you have, Dan? So we talked about Machado. Obviously, some of these teams are going to have to have a backup plan. Uh, Phillies and White Sox both monitoring the Mike Moustakis uh, situation and potentially could make an offer to him if he goes elsewhere. Uh, another name to keep an eye on is the Padres as well. Uh, they'd, they'd have to make a move uh, to clear a little bit of money. Uh, but you know, Manny Machado, who knows where he ends up. Uh, but like I said, uh, keep an eye on those teams and Moustakis if he ends up signing uh, with New York. Or, or some other team we haven't really talked about yet. I like it. I'm going to just go with uh, the, the Nerlens Noel injury tonight. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see that, but he took a hard fall and uh, he went off the court on the stretcher. So uh, obviously we don't haven't talked a lot of NBA on the show lately, but when there's an injury like that, and we saw that with Alan Hearns this past weekend as well for the Cowboys, it's just you hope these guys can recover and. Uh, you know it's tough to see that uh, when you're when you're at that playing at this high level. So hopefully Nerlens Noel uh, is all right. But uh, like I said, it didn't look pretty. That's all I have. Uh, also Andrew Wiggins with a huge game tonight with a forty and ten game. I know Aunt you love seeing that as he's beating me in fantasy basketball, which our listeners care about. Uh, no. Nice. <laughs> all right, <laughs> fellas. Well, anything to add for the good of the group? Only forty four days till baseball season, boys. Wow. He's got the ticker. Got the countdown going. I like it. For Dan Bauer and Anshu Khanna, I am Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers. (laughs) 